Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome home to Grace Avenue. It is so good to be with you today. My name is Christopher Vaughn. I'm one of the pastors of uh, Modern Worship here at Grace Avenue, and so glad to be joining in conversation today with Carol Petritus and Laura Bird. Um, We gather together every week in a different door for a different kind of worship experience. It's an opportunity for us to have nuanced conversation around the scriptures and the things that are going on in the world. And today we are talking about courage. We're talking about courage. Um, and it's uh, in the midst of talking about, um, we've been placing it in uh, The Wizard of Oz. Right? We've talked several weeks now about The Wizard of Oz. And um, part of it is in each part of the story, the characters are looking for something. Right? You have the, the scarecrow, right, who just really and truly um, wants a brain. You've got the tin man who wants a heart. You've got the lion that wants courage. And then you have Dorothy who just wants to go home. And what they find along the journey is that what they needed was inside of them all along. And so as we kind of pull back the curtain and are looking at this ourselves, um, part of what we are aware of is that a lot of the transformation that happens for these characters is an invitation. It's the invitation from Dorothy as she steps into great courage to come alongside her. And so I just wanted to ask the question, because I think it's almost an abstract concept, right? Courage is, what is courage to you? How would you define courage? Yeah, I've been thinking about this, and I would say for me, courage is having the wherewithal to do something that is difficult or scary and doing it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Laura, how would you define courage? Uh, Courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. I mean, that is bravery when you are facing your fear. Um, there's a scene in Game of Thrones that I love where uh, Ned tells Jon Snow, which, FYI, I have a big crush on Jon Snow. No big <laughs> deal. Um, he says, what makes you think that bravery means you're not going to be afraid? And I just, I love that question. Because we like to think that those who have courage um, are just fearless, but it's the opposite. It's they see the fear and they don't let it control their life. Yeah, I like that. Also, we'd like to be very clear. We as a church are not endorsing Game of Thrones or even... <laughs> just just yeah. Laura Bird yeah, endorsing, endorsing Jon Snow. <laughs> don't look it up if you don't know anything about it. Um, so, um, Nelson Mandela has a quote about courage that I really like. And he says, um, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear but the triumph over it, right? The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Mm. Um, And it's a quote that Ashley introduced me to this week because we were kind of talking about what courage means. Um, And it stuck with me because it really is that definition that the two of you provided, right? Courage is not not being afraid. I think people think courage and bravery is, oh, just not afraid. Um, It's being afraid and doing it anyway. Um, Ever since Benjamin was really little, he would start climbing like on a jungle gym or something and then all of a sudden he would just pause and Hattie does this too and he'll look at me and he'll say I'm afraid Mm. and I'll say that's okay buddy it's okay to be afraid but we're going to do it anyway 
Um, and then as he conquers that fear, right, he's able to keep climbing. And then once you've done it once, right, then you just run around and do it again and again and again. But it's that initial moment of fear takes over. Oftentimes, then we get paralyzed by it. Mm-hmm. And that's really what um, Paul was trying to address that was going on in Timothy's heart, right? Timothy was afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paul was encouraging him to courage. So, Carol, will you read our scripture this morning? Sure. Yep. This is um, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. It says, I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, When I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Yeah, uh, this reading is written from prison, right? Paul wrote this from prison, and he is a father in faith to Timothy, right? He has nurtured Timothy, mentored Timothy, and he has this moment, right, where he lays hands and he ordains Timothy. And he apparently has this fear that Timothy is going to some way turn away from his faith, that Timothy isn't going to have the courage to go forward like Paul is. And part of that is um, around in that time period, right, the, the Roman Empire is now being threatened by this new religion. Judaism is normalized. They're used to that, right? But here are these people who are saying like, oh, well, we have conquered death through Jesus. And they didn't know what to do with that. And then you had all these people who were grumbling saying like, okay, well, like if Jesus is so powerful and you keep saying how powerful Jesus is, why is one of your followers in prison? And so it was this needling. And so Paul is afraid that Timothy isn't going to have courage. And so he writes this to provide Timothy with courage. Um, are there people in your lives that you can think of that have that same kind of courage who have inspired you in some way by either the way they live their lives or something that they have done? Maybe it's small, maybe it's big, but are there just people who have inspired you to great courage? Mm. Yeah, I mean, when we were when we were talking about this earlier, um, I thought about my mom and um, how much courage she's had in so many different areas um, of her life. She was a single mother to my sister and I, and she took care of my grandmother at the same time as she was aging, and um, sometimes worked two or three jobs, and um, that took a lot of courage. That was doing something that was was really hard when. Um, it, uh, it could have been something that seemed insurmountable to her. And I was thinking about when we were talking about, um, courage and, you know, how that meets compassion. Um, I thought about a story from a couple of years ago. She, um, has since remarried and, and lives in Houston and she was out shopping at Walmart or Target or a place like that. And she was telling me how, um, there was a woman in front of her and two little girls, and uh, the woman was trying to purchase some coats. And when the total came up, the woman's face sort of sank, and my mom could tell that um, she wasn't going to be able to, to purchase those coats. And so I think that there was something that came over her where it was like God was calling her and saying, 
step in here. And so she had the, the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to pay. Don't worry about it because she had been in that spot before. And I think there are some times where in our own lives, we see a need like that. And it feels kind of scary to intervene on someone into someone else's affairs and say, oh, I'll take care of that for you. Or it might feel like overreaching, but I think sometimes um, God can place things on our hearts and we have the opportunity to step into that, you know, that thing in courage and, and help someone. That's part of courage, right? I think so often we convince ourselves not to do the thing because we're afraid the person's going to react poorly. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I can offer to pay for that. Absolutely not. I don't, you know, like, and we get so afraid of the response, we end up not acting, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great example of somebody who has lived courageously their whole lives, right? Um, and then they're able to flex that courage muscle in the moment. Because that's something I think we don't realize is that courage is a muscle, and so often we don't utilize that, that muscle, right? Because we don't think about it. Um, but just like our faith is a muscle, right? We have to grow in that. And I think if we live our lives courageously, we begin to build upon that so that we can do the bigger work that God is calling us to. Laura, did you have an example of a courageous person in your life? Yeah, I'm <laughs> very similarly. I was thinking about my mom too. Mom, um, Right? <laughs> and, and also similarly, um, it is her presence that taught me courage. Um, she never gave me any like the big pep talk speeches or anything, but it was in action. Um, when my late partner was in the hospital, um, his family wasn't around, and it was me and my mom. We were the ones that had to take care of him. And unfortunately, since he was a, a musician, we didn't have the best insurance. Um, so some of the hospitals we went to we had to be there or else he would not get the care that he needed. Um, And so me and my mom took shifts and someone was always there to make sure he was getting the right kind of care. And I remember during those weeks in the hospital that um, I would, you know, start to lose faith. I would start to want to just crumble inside myself and, um, and give up. And my mom you know, she never really gave me like a bunch of pep talks or like, yeah, we can do this. Yeah. But she just was there in presence. Like she, she, in action, she showed up and she took care of me and my late partner. And, um, she just never allowed the fear of death. I mean, truly we were looking at death in the face to, um, make her run away or make her afraid. And I knew I could do it because she was doing it, mm-hmm. right? And she's just an amazing person who has so much fortitude. Um, but the courage of, to just show up and just just be present um, yeah. to me was a huge lesson in bravery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love both of these examples um, because they're, they're talking about courage but they're talking about the, the two pieces that I have put together this week, right? Which is courageous compassion, right? Both of these are examples of courage, but they're also very beautiful examples of compassion. And courageous compassion is the willingness to show up, but also to step in with love, right? You're not showing up to take over, you're showing up to step in. And oftentimes we live in fear instead of living in courage. And what that looks like in practice is when we pull up to an intersection in our car and we see a homeless person on the street, we keep our hands at 10 and 2 right? and our eyes forward because we don't want to see that person. 
And we certainly don't want to make eye contact with them because if we make eye contact with them, what's going to happen? They're going to walk up to the car and then we're going to have to try to address them in some way. And courageous compassion is looking at every person as a child of God, Mm -hmm. not living into the fear of, oh, I don't know what they're going to do with money if I give it to them. I don't know how they're going to react. I'm kind of scared. What if they're trying to take advantage of me? What if they're not mentally there? Like, I don't want to interact with this. And instead, rolling down the window, right, and having a conversation. Um, my, my mom, maybe we're just talking about moms today. Right? <laughs> just feels um, right. Had an, an interaction like that several years ago where she rolled down the window and she said, you know, I don't have any money on me, but I just wanted to check in and say, how are you doing today, right? What, what's your name? And the guy said, you know, I've, uh, this is the kindest thing anybody's done for me all day. Mm. Nobody has checked on me. Nobody has asked how I'm doing. Um, well, you, you saw him. Yeah, you saw them, right? They, you burst the bubble that you're in. Um, and Laura just gave us a great transition there, right, into John Philip Newell's book, um, The Rebirthing of God. Um, he says in that book that compassion calls us to move from the courage to see to the courage to feel to the courage to act. And I like this framework that he's provided because the first step along courage is see a person. Mm-hmm. Right? Laura led us through this great spiritual practice today about how we compassionately step into somebody's shoes. Right? That's the first step in towards greater courage is the courage to see. The second is the courage to feel. It's to really look at somebody and say, well, how, how are they experiencing this right now? And then that courage moves us to action. And so I love this framework from the courage to see to the courage to feel to the courage to act as it moves us towards greater compassion. But also, I think compassion is another one of those words that we think about abstractly. So anybody have a good definition or example of compassion in a new way? I think it's empathy in action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that. Empathy in action. And then anytime somebody says the word empathy or vulnerability, it reminds me of Brene Brown. <laughs> I, and, and Carol, you had a definition of courage from Brene Brown, if I'm remembering correctly. Can you remind us of what that is? Yeah, she was sort of comparing um, courage and compassion. And what she said is that courage is the voice and compassion is the ear. And I thought that that was really interesting put in compassion, you know, put into, um, into words. So it's like with compassion... It's the ability to hear and also to see. And then courage is the voice, but also the, the walking, sort of. And yeah. so I think it's, it's putting those two together where we're looking at compassion is our ability to step into someone else's place. And through that compassion, the courage pushes us forward to act. I love that. Yeah. I had... Um... I've recently tried this new practice, I've been doing it for almost a year now, um, where I'm trying to live into compassion in a new way. And part of that is I live in a neighborhood, and I know many of you do here in this space and online as well, where if we have one bead of hail hit in the area, and the weatherman says that we had hail, um, an excessive amount of roof salesmen will come into my neighborhood. And now you think, like, Christopher, what's an excessive amount? 30 or 40 people will knock on my door. Um, I have three dogs. So if you knock on my door, I'm going to know. I also have three children under the age of six. So if you knock on my door, you have ruined my day. (laughs) And um, and so for a while, I, I was just really frustrated with these salesmen. 
who were knocking on my door and so I would either not answer, I would open and be a little short, right? Not rude. I work really hard not to be rude um, because someday somebody may walk into the church and be like, oh, that was a guy that wasn't very nice to me, right? Um, and so, you know, but sometimes I'm like, I have children, I have, and so I decided, well, how did I, how could I respond in compassion? And so part of the, the practice that I have been doing for these sales folks who I know don't experience the best of humanity on their best day, when they open the door before they can get any word out, I just say, what's your name? And they tell me their name and then I say, okay, tell me what you're selling today and I'll tell you if I need it or not. Well, I'm here to inspect roofs. Our roof is good. Can I get you a Gatorade? I have red, blue, or white. And the fact that I just told you the flavors is colors lets you know that I have children in the home, (laughs) right? Um, And they'll tell me what they want and I'll go get it. And then I'll say, give me your card. If I need something, I'm happy to reach out. I'm going to put it in the pot where I keep all the other cards. Um, And um, I hope everybody is nice to you today on our street. Um, And the, the look on their faces as they experience compassion instead of what they're used to, which is animosity, right? Most people who choose to answer the door don't respond in a good way, um, is profoundly powerful for me to be able to respond in compassion. And it, it lets me feel like I'm in control, right? Because when they're knocking on the door, right, and I'm just annoyed, they have all the power, right? They have made the dogs bark, the babies are up, right? That's frustrating. When I know that they knock on the door, I have the opportunity to respond in compassion. It changes the way that I feel about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And to go all the way back to the scripture from today, as Paul is reminding Timothy of um, the great cloud of witnesses that provided faith for him, right? When the door gets knocked now, my son goes to grab the Gatorade, right? He has learned that when people come to the door, we respond in compassion. And so it's, it's little, right? It's not a huge thing, right? It's not a, a world-changing thing, but it's a day-changing mm-hmm. thing for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as we think about, I think as we talk about courageous compassion, so often we think about, okay, well, we're gonna go and we're gonna change the world and we're gonna lead these marches and we're gonna get these laws passed. And it's the courage to see, mm-hmm. to see a person for who they are the courage to feel in a world that tells us you don't need to feel these emotions, but then the courage to move into action. Often it's small things that I think have a large impact. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what I think is so powerful about the story um, in Second Timothy this day um, and this idea that we have of courageous compassion. So, final thoughts. Yeah, I want to comment on the story that you just told us because I'm thinking about how what you did there is you took a minute to step back and imagine yourself as the salesperson. And I love that because I don't think that we do that enough. Um, We see somebody that is in that situation or in another situation as annoying, or maybe this person isn't a very hard worker, or this person is always late, and what's their problem? Whereas if we took a minute to step back and spend the time with the ear and thinking about this position that they're in, we have a minute and an opportunity to experience them totally differently. And I think we could do that in so many different ways. So I love that example of you put yourself in the place of the salesperson. And so maybe that this week it looks like the person that 
um, is always promising that they're going to finish a work project and they always do it a couple of days late. Instead of being super annoyed with that person, maybe it's this week that we take a moment and we step back and say, what's going on with them that might be causing this? Instead of immediately assuming, oh, this person just isn't doing their work. I think that there is an opportunity for us to pour out compassion when we take that opportunity to step back and think Mm -hmm. about their spot. I like that you gave us some action items with that. That's always really helpful. Laura, closing thoughts for you? And I think, Carol, really what you were talking about is the practice of Tonglen. It is a practice of stepping into someone's shoes and feeling what they feel in your body and trying to feel their pain or, or their doubt or their anything that they're feeling and then sending them compassion from your own self. Um, in many ways, I think that's how God experiences us too, right? I mean, God came down through Christ to experience what it means to be fully human and that means suffering and so part of our job is to do the same but with other people and with ourselves and one of the one of the practices we did today was not only giving compassion to others but learning to give compassion to yourself as well which I know I am not the best at um and uh uh, self-compassion is is how we can also enlarge our heart too to be compassionate to others. Yeah. When I was uh, growing up, my um, senior pastor at St. Luke's in Houston wrote a book called Noah Built His Ark in the Sunshine. And it was this reminder that uh, before there was a storm, before there was anything, Noah began to prepare, right? He built his ark in the sunshine and the great people of faith have always done that. Before times get really hard, before things really start get trying, we flex our faith muscles, we grow our faith, we grow our courage, we live compassionately so that when we have the opportunity, we can use that. Um, and so I think the, the, the powerful thing about courageous compassion is that it starts with the day-to-day, with the ability to really see people and meet them where they are, to, to know what they're feeling and put ourselves in their shoes. And then the courage to act, even when it's hard, even when we don't know what the other person is going to respond with. But to live courageously compassionate is to step into faith in a new way. And that is my hope for everybody here in this room today, for those joining us online, and for those who are hearing this in podcast form on Spotify and Amazon and iTunes and other places. May you live courageously compassionate this day. Amen.